0: Billy,
1: why are you dressed up like an ant? Because there are ants in the driveway, and I need to tell them that they need to move before Dad comes home and drives over them. Why don't you just
0: pick them up and move them? Because there's too many. Why don't you just sweep them out of the way? Because it'll
1: hurt them. So why are you dressed up like an ant? Because I want to be like Jesus. God became like us, so we could better understand Him. Can I help? Yeah! You go tell them that I'm coming, and then... Hi kids, I'm home! No! Welcome to Anchor Points, a program produced by Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more at fredericksdachurch.org. In order for Jesus to restore this planet, it required Sacrifice. But you and I play a part in that restoration too.
0: I'm not going to give up Christ because I know that in Christ there is restoration and I am willing to give my life up in order to bring the restoration that God wants for this
1: planet. Robert Quintana shares the fourth and last part in this series, A Perfect Restoration.
0: You know, several years ago, DC Talk came out with several books. I have two of them with me entitled Jesus Freaks. It's based on a title of a song that they wrote many years ago about being a Jesus freak. The song had a very powerful message. And that is that is that I'm going to stand for Jesus no matter what, no matter where I am, under any circumstance, I'm going to stand for Christ. Therefore, I guess I must be a Jesus freak. And if that's what you want to call me, then okay, I'm, I'm a Jesus freak. They partnered up with Voice of the Martyrs and What it is, it it is a chronicle or stories of men and women who have given their lives for Christ through the ages. And and you get to read about these amazing men and women who stood up for Christ against all odds, and they sacrificed everything that they had for the sake of Christ. On average, a year, 171,000 Christians are martyred for their faith around the world. I just want to read to you just a couple of these so that you kind of get an understanding of, of how powerful um, these stories are. The title is, More Love to Thee. Pastor Kim and his congregation, North Korea, 1950s. For years, Pastor Kim and 27 of his flock of Korean saints had lived in hand-dug tunnels beneath the earth. Then... As the communists were building a road, they discovered the Christians living underground. The officials brought them out before a crowd of 30,000 in a village for a public trial and execution. They were told, deny Christ or you will die. But they refused. At this point, the head communist officer ordered four children from the group seized and had them prepared for hanging. With ropes tied around their small necks, the officer again commanded the parents to deny Christ. Not one of the believers would deny their faith. They told the children, we will see you in heaven. The children died quietly. The officer then called for a steamroller to be brought in. He forced the Christians to lie on the ground in its path as the engines revved they were given one last chance to recant their faith in Jesus. Again, they refused. As the steamroller began to inch forward, the Christians began to sing a song they had often sung together. As their bones and bodies were crushed under the pressure of the massive rollers, their lips uttered the words, More love to thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Thee alone I seek, More love to thee. Let sorrow do its work. More love to thee. Then shall my latest breath whisper thy praise. This be the parting cry my heart shall raise. More love, O Christ, to thee. The execution was reported in the North Korean press as an act of suppressing superstition. And the passage here that reads afterwards is, For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. You know, we don't need to look to another country, and, and we don't even need to look that far back, back to, you know, 1550s, or we don't need to look to other countries. We can, maybe most of us here remember what happened, the tragedy that happened in Columbine, Colorado back in 1999. You remember that when a young girl by the name of Rachel Scott, after having been shot in the leg once, had a gun pointed to her head and was asked a question Do you still believe in God? And she responded, You know the answer to that. And she was shot dead. Then in there, for her faith. As you look through the scriptures, as you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you read stories of men and women who have sacrificed for the sake of Christ. You see men and women who surrender their lives, they surrender their desires, they sacrifice their time, they sacrifice their energy, they sacrifice their financial resources for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the cause. You don't have to read very far in the New Testament before you stumble upon a guy by the name of Paul. Now, Paul, many of you already know, his name used to be Saul, and he used to persecute Christians. That's what he used to do for a living. Those stories that we just read, that's what he used to do. He used to hang people. He used to crucify Christians. He used to hunt them down and ask them the same question, will you recant? Will you deny Christ? And if they said no, he would put them to death until one day he had that moment, that encounter with Jesus Christ, and he had that conversion where he came face to face with Christ and, and Christ said to him, why are you persecuting me? And it transformed his life. And the same zeal that he used to persecute Christians, now he uses to spread the gospel. Now he uses to share with others the good news of Jesus Christ. Because Paul knew, he understood after his conversion, that if I am going to restore those around me, If I am going to restore these towns and these cities, if I'm going to restore those that I have influence over, I need to sacrifice my own wants, my own desires. I need to sacrifice my time, my energy, my financial resources because I want to restore. I want to bring healing. I want people to be made whole. You see, because he understood that if people could hear the message of Jesus Christ, if they can come into an understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for their lives, he knew that they would be restored or at least be put on a path for restoration. And so he endured great, great pain. I'd like for you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He shares with us the sacrifice, the pain that he endured. Second Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Are they ministers of Christ? He says the question to the church in Corinth there. I speak as a fool. I am more. I am a Jesus freak. And people might say I'm crazy. People might say I'm a fool. You don't know the extent of my foolishness. I am a true Jesus freak, Paul says. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons, more frequently, in deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I've received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils ab- among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Paul sacrificed a lot. He sacrificed his whole life. And in fact, this book that I just shared with you a little bit ago shares his story and shares how he was martyred as well. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the last um, couple of paragraphs here. As Paul's execution drew near, God prepared his heart. He wrote his spiritual son, Timothy. Now the time has come for me to die. My life is like a drink offering being poured out on the altar. I have fought well. I have finished the race. I have been faithful. So a crown will be given to me for pleasing the Lord. Finally, Paul was sentenced to death because he was a Roman citizen. He was not tortured like so many of the believers during Nero's reign, but was beheaded outside the city. He was approximately 64 years old. Paul gave his life up. He sacrificed much for the sake of the cross because he understood that if restoration is going to take place around us, it is going to require sacrifice. Now, I know and I understand very well that no one here is saying, oh, 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 sign me up. That's what I want. I know that. Why? Because I know me. And I, because I know me, I know you. There's no one here that's rushing out the door. Where's the sign-up sheet? That's the kind of life I want to live. But I'm going to tell you that all of those sacrifices that we've just read about point to one sacrifice. And that is the sacrifice that we study. That is the sacrifice that we admire. That is the sacrifice that we celebrate this weekend that is the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, because we're going to read a little bit about that sacrifice that took place some 2,000 years ago. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 6, talking about Jesus. Being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So you stop there for just a second now. And you think about all the sacrifice that Jesus went through just to get here to planet Earth. I mean, you just we talk about the sacrifice that took place on Good Friday. Uh, Before that, think about the sacrifice that he underwent just to come and clothe himself with human flesh and live among us as one of us. And leaving everything behind. And knowing and understanding that he may never see that again. But because of his love for you and his love for me. And because he understood that if restoration is going to take place, someone needs to sacrifice. And so because of his love for you and for me, because he understood that I must take their sins upon my shoulders, I must sacrifice And so here in verse 7 it says, But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled. And you can replace that with surrender. You can replace that word with sacrifice. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death. Of the cross, you know our society here in western in western society western culture in, in, in we 've grown up to think you know it 's all about me it 's all about protecting me and and you know I come first and even you know, in in some marriages, I come first, not even the spouse. No, I come first. You know, what have you done for me lately? You know, how are you fulfilling my needs? No, no, it's all about me. And and sometimes in our works and in our relationships and and in our churches, it's all about me. You know, the pastor didn't have a good enough sermon. So I'm going to start church hopping around because it's all about me. It's all about feeding me. And, and so we get trapped into this way of thinking, this philosophy that says, you know, it's all about me, me, me me, I, I, I. And Jesus comes to planet earth and he blows that philosophy out of the water. And he says, wait a second, folks, I have a completely different way for you to live. I have a completely different way for you to live out your life. Because if you continue thinking this way, if you continue thinking that it's all about me and all about what I can do to protect myself I'm telling you, Jesus says, you will lose your life. And so this is why he says in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to talk about how Jesus sacrificed himself for the purpose of bringing restoration to the world. And so he says this philosophy, this this spirit of surrender, this spirit of sacrifice, this spirit that Jesus had to surrender oneself and to humble oneself and to be obedient and to sacrifice on every turn to sacrifice. That is the mind that I want in you. Now, listen, no one goes out and says, you know, I, I that's what I want. You know, if you were to ask these martyrs point blank, do you know, do you want to give your life up? I mean, do you want to stop living? Every single one of them would say, no, of course not. I want to live. And you ask Jesus Christ himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, do you want to continue living? What did he say? Of course I do. God, if possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Your will be done because I want to restore this planet. And in order to restore this planet, God, I know that it requires sacrifice. Therefore, I give my life up in order to bring restoration to the planet. And when you talk about these martyrs through the ages, they will say the same thing. I'm not going to give up Christ because I know that in Christ there is restoration. And I am willing to give my life up in order to bring the restoration that God wants for this planet. Still, it's hard. It's hard for us to have that mentality, isn't it? Yeah, I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to sacrifice my energy. I'm going to sacrifice my own desires for the benefit of the community so that the community can be restored. I understand that it's hard to have that kind of mentality, but can we just take a step back for just a moment and just look at the big picture? And I'd like for you to turn to, in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, to look at the bigger picture, to see exactly what's at stake. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. It says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Jesus understood that his, his, this philosophy, this way of living was going to bring division verse 35 for i have not come to set a man against for i have come to set a man against his father a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemy will be those of his own household verse 37 he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life, here it is, will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And so Jesus is introducing this new way of thinking. He's introducing this new philosophy. And he's saying, listen, if you are a follower, if you want to be my disciple, let, let, me, let me clue you in to a secret here. Big picture, if you want eternal life, if you want the life that you are seeking right now on your own, the secret is you need to sacrifice it. You need to give it over. Not just give it over to anything. No, no. Give it over for my sake. My sake. And what was his sake? I mean, when you look at Christ, what was he all about? He was about restoring other people. He was about sacrificing himself to build up other people. And so he says, if you lose your life for my sake, I'm telling you, you will have it. You will win it. And now here's the deal. When you, when you look at all of these martyrs, when you look at Mark and when you look at Paul and when you look at all of these individuals, men and women through all the ages who have been martyred for the for the sake of Christ, right, they have experienced Christ and they're holding on so tightly that there is nothing on this planet that matters more No mother, no father, no son, no daughter. There is no job. There is no circumstance. There is no relationship. There is nothing that matters more than Jesus Christ because they have experienced him and they're holding on and they know that they're not going to let go. And so here they're forced with a decision to let go of Christ or to hold on to him, and you know what the answer has been? I am holding on because I know that in holding on, I will restore. Not only will God restore me, but God will restore those around me as I give witness and testimony that God is the number one thing and that there is nothing more important in life than Jesus Christ himself. It's time that self dies. It's time that I surrender. It's time that I start sacrificing maybe the things that that I think are important in life, the things that this world has told me it's important. Maybe it's time that I start sacrificing and and giving a little bit more time. Maybe it's time that I start serving in a bigger capacity. Maybe it's time that I start sacrificing and, and if I'm driving down the street and I see someone in need, you know what? I'm gonna sacrifice my time because in so doing, I might bring restoration between that guy who's stranded on the side of the road and and his heavenly father. And that's what we're after. Paul undoubtedly had this big picture in his mind. Undoubtedly. I'd like for you to read this passage is found in Romans chapter 8. I'd like for you to turn there with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider. In other words, you know, I'm thinking. I've, I've put thought into this. And he says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, now remember, just remember the sufferings that he had gone through. The shipwreck, the imprisonment, the flogging that, that took place. Just think about everything that he went through, all of those sufferings, every time that he turned and he sacrificed for the purpose of bringing restoration, every time that he sacrificed and surrendered, listen to this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, I'm taking a step back here and I'm looking at the big picture, are not worthy To be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. That's big picture mentality right there. Because we think that the little bit that we give, oh man, that's going to kill me. God says, no, holding on to it is what's going to kill you. You need to give it up because in giving it up, I'm telling you, you will find your life. And Paul had that big picture mentality, didn't he not? He said, I'm considering that the sufferings of this world, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to substitute that word for sacrifice. I consider that the sacrifices that I go through in this world are nothing, cannot be compared with the glory that will be revealed to you and to me someday. You remember that young boy who gave over, who sacrificed and gave over his, his five loaves and his two fish? Can that be compared to what Christ did with it? That He transformed those five loaves and two fish, and He fed thousands, possibly twelve thousand people. And there was it, the Bible says that they ate until they were full. It wasn't like you know, is there any more of that? No, no, we're out. No, they ate it. They they ate until they were full, and the Bible says that there were some left over. You cannot compare that little sacrifice with what Christ was able to do with it. And the same is true of our lives. You cannot compare the sacrifices that you may give that I understand you think are big, but you can't compare those sacrifices with what God will do with it. And that is stepping back, my friends, and taking a look at the big picture. And that is stepping back and understanding, yeah, sacrifice is hard, But the sacrifice is worth it. Because if Jesus was standing here right now and you were to ask him, Christ, the sacrifice on the cross, was it worth it? What do you think he would say? He'd say, absolutely. Because he was worth it. She was worth it. He was worth it. She was worth it. Yeah, it was worth it.
1: Anchor Points with Robert Quintana is a ministry of the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to share it with a friend. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or at fredericksdachurch.org.
0: How can it be that there's only one way, that there's only one truth, that there's only one life? No, 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 no. Wait a second. All roads lead to God.
1: Uh Uh-uh. It's easier to do things our way, But in order to follow the plan God has for your life, sometimes requires surrender. But there's freedom in that. And next week, Robert Quintana explains as he shares the first part in his series, I Shall Bow. Also, if you're wanting to learn more about how to begin a life change or just wanting more answers, we'd love to talk with you. Feel free to visit us online and check out some of our resources at fredericksdachurch.org. You can also call us during the week at 301-662-5254. We're located right between I-70 and Route 15 on Jefferson Pike. Our main service takes place Saturdays at 11 a.m., and we'd love for you to join us sometime. Remember, God loves you and wants you to live out His purpose.